Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. It is Monday. It is June. We are kind of sneaking a little bit closer here to the dog days of summer. Uh, NBA Finals winding down. We have uh, Game 5 on the night. Closeout game for the Raptors. Uh, fascinating drama playing out with uh, KD coming back from injury drama. potentially. And uh, we know it, it, there's so, many, on so much uncertainty. I'm sitting out of the first half of this game. Uh, but I'll be uh, carefully watching, looking for second-half angles. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it looks like a potential closeout here for Toronto, which is going to be uh, – would be exciting for – our uh, our friends from from the north and some of our friends who have heavily invested themselves in Toronto series. Uh, so hopefully they close out there. Um, we've kind of both positioned ourselves to kick our feet up and enjoy this, which is pretty nice. But uh, you know, it's uh, we're ready to move into the offseason. It's easier that way. Easier yeah. that way. Oh Don't yeah, the summer. I mean, for sure, for sure, only one hockey game left. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we that's got right. women's World Cup, but yeah, it's truly, truly the dog days. Which I mean. Whenever, whenever the betting gods close the door, they open a window, and <laughs> we were graced last week. And sometimes we just some some reason we don't keep up on a lot of this stuff. And actually, this is I live in Minnesota. Whale lives in California. We I mean, you can drive to Vegas, but we don't have you know the books available to us that uh, you can get in some of the legalized states. So maybe that's why it wasn't a big enough deal to us. But game of the year lines came out for college football. Kind of. Uh, perked our ears up a little when we, we realized that was happening. It's not like Tony Miller announced forever ago that it was gonna they were gonna be up at the end of May. So I, I guess we could have could have planned ahead a little on that, but it was nicer when it was a surprise. It's cool. It's fun to look at those. It gets you excited. You know, we're more NFL centric, but we love all football. College football is awesome. It's I mean what what else you can do all Saturday in the fall? You can watch that shit for like sixteen hours. So it was pretty yeah exciting so yeah we went and went and found someone who that's quite a bit more college football than we do yes and someone with their uh with a finger on the pulse of uh specifically the game of the year uh you know the way that all plays out of vegas always fascinates me i love the coverage of that i love seeing you know what what the what the original openers are then seeing all the uh all the folks march up there and just hit the hit the hit it with the limit until they they shape the number to what they think it ought to be it's just a fascinating experience all around so yeah and yeah you mentioned it dog days of summer means getting prepped for football season in my in my world like here we here we go here we go let's start getting prepped and uh, in just because I guess college football starts a little before NFL in terms of the real deal action, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, week zero. On, they, yeah, they're, they're on a little bit uh, faster track uh, about getting, uh, you know, getting prepared, getting, uh, you know, getting ready. Uh, and I guess that kind of makes sense that you have to put a little bit more into the off season than you would for the NFL because there's so much turnover in the game, you know, year to year. Um, but yeah, let's uh, with, let's let's get. I'm going right to double check the math though. There are more teams. There are more teams. The there NFL. are fewer weeks. There are, more teams. Uh, there are more moving pieces year over year. It's a so it's a very com- it's a it's a more complex problem. You got to put in more time in the off season. Uh, so to kick off a little bit of off season coverage and to give some shine to college football, which we criminally undercover in general from a betting perspective, uh, welcoming to the uh, deep dive for the first time, Mr. Brian Leonard. Welcome to the deep dive. How are you? Uh, it's great to be here. I listen to your show every week and. Uh, I learn something each and every week, even though I've been doing this for, for a damn long time. Uh, you guys do a great job. Oh, fantastic. Well, welcome, welcome to, uh, to the deep dive. 
Um, and uh, I guess fair to say that I, I guess how do you how would you how do you rank your uh, your um, proficiencies at least? Uh, what are your favorite sports to bet into? What are your favorite uh, you know um, uh, times of year in, in the sports betting landscape uh, to 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 get ready to to get some action done? My favorite sport to watch is baseball. I've always been a huge baseball fan, but it took me a long time to learn how to bet baseball and to make money in baseball. So um, college football, I enjoy the betting part of it because it's there all week. And to me, a goal is always trying to get the best number. And like the win would have their opening numbers down here in Vegas. They put those out on on Sunday afternoons and I got your bet on lines offshore and just people coming out and that to me, that's the best time to get in on something when it's an opener. And you see that even for baseball lines, you take a look at the overnight lines and then those are shaped. I mean, it's not, it's not something that's impossible to see a line move 60 cents in baseball from the overnight to the time the game <laughs> goes off. It's just, if you're ready ahead of time, and you get to go against the few people that are betting into it, it's much easier to make money. Now, I, I sell plays also. I've been doing that for 35 years. And the unfortunate part is I can't give those to my clients. I can't say, you know, play this team right now at minus 200. They're going to be a 350 favorite by tomorrow or whatever. Um, you've, you've got, you're a little bit constrained because, you know, a lot of guys aren't up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be able to, to bet into some of these lines <laughs> and whatever comes up. So. <clears throat> Uh, it's a little bit different, but uh, yeah, college football, I really enjoy the whole handicapping part of it. Uh, NFL, to me, is all about the number. Uh, everybody knows everything they can know about the NFL. The information's out there everywhere. So all you need to do is know what the number should be, know what the number is, and know where the number's going to go. And you bet it early, you bet it late, or you don't bet it at all. <laughs> That's a good summary about the way that you look at the NFL. I have never really thought of it that way, but that's a very fair way to put it. Um, college football, on the other hand, did we, would you say there is more opportunity uh, in general in, in any given week in college football just because you have this diverse uh, offering of games that are heavily bet and games that are very lightly bet into? Yeah, if you were to talk to just about anybody who bets for a living, they will tell you the college sports are probably the way to go because the information is not there. Um, like college basketball, I've never done a lot with college basketball, but I have other guys that do it very well. So when they give me a play, I bet it. But anytime you've got 300 basketball teams to go over or, you know, 130 or whatever college football teams there are, it's going to be a lot easier to pick out a weaker line than it would be, you know, in the NBA or Major League Baseball or even, uh, you know, the NFL um because the information is not there and everybody knows everything about the pro sports but they don't they couldn't tell you one thing about louisiana lafayette's basketball team or whatever so um the lines maker knows you know i've talked to enough lines makers enough radio shows out here in vegas they know they're going to get a hundred times more money on the duke north carolina basketball game than they're going to get on the total in a sunbelt game so where do you think they're going to put all their efforts in, uh, in making the line correct? Yeah. <laughs> um, Definitely not the Sunbelt total. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've done seminars before, and I've told people, I said, if you want to know what's the easiest and what's the hardest to bet, just go up and ask the sportsbook director how much he'll take on a Monday night football side, ask him what he'll take on a Monday night football college basketball total, 
and let him say 500 and 500,000 or whatever. <laughs> You'll know what, yeah. uh, what you should be paying your attention yeah. to. It, it, may, yeah, it makes me think of that. Will, do you remember that uh, that guy that took my college basketball stuff and made the spreadsheet? I do. With all the insights? I, I do. So this guy took, yeah, he took my tracking spreadsheet, which I had just posted on Twitter, and he, he broke it down by, like, team, conference, everything. But the, the interesting thing was day of the week. And I was really good at betting college basketball on Saturdays. <clears throat> and I, I only bet small schools always. And we, we really haven't proved it out because it was only one season, but it's just like what you said. We came to the same so, conclusion. This is there's so 150 logical. damn. Yeah. There's 150 damn games on a Saturday and about 15 of them are big marquee games that are on ESPN and you know, they're all going to be on TV and I'm betting Sunbelt. I'm betting MAAC, MEAC, uh, Ivy League shit. You know, some of this stuff, like, it's like, just like Brian said, they're, they got to put the time in and, you know, make the, make the Duke, North Carolina total sharp. And they're not going to worry so much about, you know, the, the fun belt and all that. And I, I think that came to fruition. And I, I'm sure that's true in college football, too, when, when you have some of those smaller conferences. And every week there's a shitload of games, and only a few are on CBS and, you know, ABC, NBC, and ESPN. Those are those are the big marquee ones that the public's going to pound. And if you can take advantage of the smaller lines, you might uh, sit out there and make a slowly make a fortune. That's great. Uh, and, you know, I, there's, a, there's a correlation, though, too, to the NFL as well. I mean, if you're hitting the prop markets in the NFL, you're basically doing the same sort of thing. That's true. Right? Like, people are really hand-wringing and getting heavy on, uh, you know, sides and totals. And, in fact, you know, there's – I guarantee you there are ways to utilize the information of the efficient market you have in the NFL – uh, in terms of what the side and the total end up being that you can then trickle into and hit some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the derivatives and the props in a way that you can find, uh, you know, an efficient way to bet the NFL. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm, I'm a sucker for these gigantic liquid markets like NFL sides, totals, NBA sides, totals. I can't help myself. Like I want to be in those markets and I want to try to try to make my, my, uh, my money the hard way. Um, and, uh, you know, to a degree, it's been a little bit of a trial by fire. Last four years of, of betting haven't always been, you know, winning winning outright for me. Uh, but uh, you know, I think we're we're kind of we're broadening our understanding of this, and we're we're growing our network. And you know, you brought up a funny point of you have guys that are you know doing college basketball for you. Like, how important that, as a pro better living in Vegas? Like, how important is it for you to have a network of of skilled handicappers around you who you can share information with? Yeah, it's. It's majorly important. Every guy I know that bets for a living out here has got other people doing so many different things. Like for yourself, with the, I know you used to put up a rest chart for the NBA, and I would I would read that every day. And oh, and Andy, I know he did very well in the smaller conferences for basketball. So when you guys put something out like that, I'm paying attention, you know. And um, I, when I uh, when I came out to Vegas, I re- let me tell you a li- little bit about how it all started. Um, Back when I was uh, in college, I went to Akron University, graduated in 85. But anyway, I went to high school with Phil Steele, and we were pretty good friends oh, back then. No, no kidding. Yeah, and he, wow. he, obviously, we all know about Phil. And, you know, I remember back folding newsletters at his house, helping him out, <laughs> you know, mailing these newsletters out years and years ago. Oh, and man. I, yeah, and I remember when he made his first million dollars, we went out to a concert that night, and he says, Oh my God, I just made my first million dollars, you know? 
and, and the guy worked his ass off and he still does to this day. And I give him credit for a lot of what he does, but you know, we used to hang out and Phil's never been a better. He's more of a handicapper and uh, knowledgeable about the college football, but he's never been a better. So I've always been a better. In fact, when we would hang out, I was betting the NBA and this was early eighties and needless to say back then and anybody who's been around at that time will tell you how easy it was to win and and then that's how I got in the industry he says well here I'm gonna put you down <laughs> he'd own his own print shop uh in in Cleveland and in the basement he put in a phone number or he put in a put in a phone and he put an ad in the power sweep if anybody wanted basketball to give Brian Leonard a call and back then you would have between the hours of you know the games were started seven eastern between five and seven, I have to sit down there and answer the phones when people called, and that's how I got into it. But I was really good in the NBA back then, and to be totally honest with you, that's my worst sport right now because you never know who's going to play. Sure, so, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and unless you know, yeah, unless tricky. you can wait to the very last minute to put in a play and you can rank your players as to how many points they're worth, uh, it's a crapshoot in the NBA, and it's so hard to do that anymore. Yeah, I've got other things like it's so much easier to uh, to make money on. But, uh, yeah, I moved out here um, 21 years ago. And my first year out here, Tony Diamond would have a handicapping seminar, and I would go to it. And uh, he's a little bit older than me. But ever since then, we tried to get together. We used to have the Tuesday meetings is what we always called it. And we would have all the sharp guys that we could find go to these Tuesday meetings. We've had anybody – who's had a name out here in Vegas has shown up. And, and as you pointed out earlier, people seeing things from different sides, we would go right down the list of each game. And, you know, I, first guy, I said, I like this game because of this, you know, one guy will be a personnel guy. One guy will be a, a totals guy. One guy will be uh, an angle guy. Um, and then we just go down a list and you go around and say, well, I like army. I like army. I like, I like army in this game. And this is, you know, or Navy or whatever. One of the, one of the smaller uh, schools there that would run the football back in the day. And then another guy will say, well, the center for Navy is out. And you say, oh, shit. Well, then maybe I don't like that as much. So just getting that kind of information and being surrounded by people like that really helped over the years. And But it's gotten to the point now where people are afraid to take that afternoon off on a Tuesday because the lines are moving. And nobody wants to be stuck doing that when they could be yeah. betting the moving lines. And that's what we run into. Wow. Man, that's fascinating. Um, okay, that's what and what a story. Going back to Phil Steele folding newsletters, incredible. Um, do you still keep in touch with Phil Steele? You know, we had our thirtieth reunion uh, about ten years ago, and I went in, and I says, "You going to the reunion?" I said, "You'll be the most famous person there." And he says, "Well, I don't know." And so I got to spend 15 minutes with him, and I think that's the last time I've actually <laughs> sat down and talked to him. Because I've got my own stuff to do. He's got his own stuff to do. And, you know, it's if, if we were to meet each other on the street, everything would be great. But it's just that, as you guys know, people who bet for a living, it's it's tough to get time away. You know, out here in Vegas, Ted Taransky will have a, a summer party as a barbecue. And that's the one time I see every person in town – um, that comes to this barbecue. So I'll see him for a couple hours. Then I don't see him again until another year. Yeah. I run into him betting in, in the sports books, but now with all the apps, um, you know, you, ne you never run into anybody. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That must have changed the fabric big time. Yeah, the apps um, the apps have changed a lot. 
for sure. I mean, should, for we, sure. should we touch on the? I just when when I was when I was reading up on Game of the Year lines earlier last week, and I didn't. I, I guess I'd seen some of this, and I didn't really catch what it was all about. But I mean, do you have a take on on what CG did there by dropping theirs a day before the Nugget? Was it kind of a? I mean, was that kind of viewed as a shithead move out there? Or was it like, yeah, hell, here's some lines. I guess well, if they want to be early, they can be early. I I used to be pretty good friends with the last guy who was their media director at CG who left about a year ago. And, you know, I've had, he's, we've done a lot of videos together and I've been able to talk to him about, you know, the Vegas Daves and the, and the Mayweathers and those kind of things off the record. But um, it kind of surprised me because uh, Tony had said what date they were going to put these out. Uh, Chris Andrews over at the South Point, Chris is having uh, health issues, so he said he wasn't going to be able to do it. And so even on his show on Vison, you know, over there at the South Point, they even said, hey, Tony's putting them out. We're giving Tony a lot of publicity for this and the whole bit. So you've got people that have flown across country to be able to get down there and bet into these lines. And I get a call from one of the guys that I work with, uh, Brad Powers, the night before, and he said, hey, just want to let you know the CG numbers are out. And I said, <laughs> why? <laughs> if you're going to put a, if you're going to take the time to be first, promote it. The whole sure. point, the whole, you're going to lose money. I mean, e- even at Circa the other day, and they had the no juice. They lost $125,000, but they promoted it, and they didn't care. That went into the promotion. Sure. If you come out with the lines first, you're going to get hit and get beat by those. And you're not going to get out any promotion because nobody knew about it. Yeah, so, you're you're you are really setting yourself up to be taken. <laughs> you are definitely. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And then when when Tony sh- showed up the next day when I was down there, you know, you could tell. I, I happened to be first in line, but you could tell a lot of those guys. And we'd even talked about. It. I said, right now you could bet minus two here, plus five and a half here. I said, so that's what most of those guys were doing. They were just shaping the line. In fact, Bet Online also had numbers. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that play the bet online because it's offshore and it's tough to get into, send the money offshore and all that. But, um, you know, they're so basically, even though they were the first to put them out supposedly in Vegas, they were actually the third to do it. But a lot of people were just, you know, going between the two and scalping. Wow. Oh yeah. There were some, wow. there were some big differences. I looked at, I looked at it when it all came out. I mean, even just like the, I mean, it, it was the last one on the spreadsheet. That's why I looked at it was uh, Army, Navy. Army Navy. I just wanted to see how far they went out. But, I mean, there was a there was a four or five-point difference between a couple of the, uh, couple of the openers on the Army <laughs> Navy game. I opened Army at 13, and I saw another place had it. I believe it was four and a half. That's so, – this is uh, – this oh, is uh, oh, Andy, I think you kind of hit on something that might end up being a bigger story than any of us really realized. Like, that – they uh, they really did something to – tilt the pot here like man i I, i'm i'm uh i'm surprised this hasn't gotten more coverage or a little bit of better understanding like how much did this cost these two entities not coordinating this in a way that uh you know that they couldn't they you know because there's probably a damn decent amount of people who just went and took scalps on this this is i mean it's your bunch of smart people just scalped you're, you're socking money away for a while but uh but given that opportunity and given that there wasn't coordination, like they they really these these they really opened each other up for a, a negative outcome here. Um, it's kind of fascinating. 
Anyway, uh, let me ask you, going back to uh, Phil Steele for a second. Yeah. Undeniably, valuable resource for years and years and years and years. Anyone that I know that handicapped college bas- college football, sorry, had the exact same take. The magazine's here. Holy smokes, this is so great. Time to start studying. Summer reading. Like, so, like, it's, like it was basically mandatory prep having the magazine and going through it and, you know, getting, getting ready for handicapping college football. In your opinion, what kind of set his work aside in that it was so mandatory uh, and so important for all of the people in the, you know, in the industry and in, in the betting market alike to get this magazine, to get familiar with the contents and to, um, you know, and, and, you know, that seems like it was, you know, a, a one of a kind sort of, you know, um, useful tool uh, that existed for so many years without really losing an edge. Is, is all that fair to say? And, and what are your opinions on, on what made it so good? Yeah, definitely. Um, when, when he started out, he would just, like I said, he, he, had a, he had a print shop. So he would, could print up, um, basically, he could print up uh, any, any type of business cards or, um, any any type of newsletter thing where he, he could basically say, I, I think he called himself PS Publishing or or something. Anyway, uh, he would send send uh, back then we would he would send letters out to the uh, the athletic departments at like every every school like Pitt and say, Hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm writing a I'm writing a magazine and uh, I want to give give you some props and we're looking for some information. So anybody would send out their their packet, which where they normally would do for like for season ticket holders, whatever. So oh, Phil would get all these, from all these schools. He would get the this information from from everybody out there, and then he would all. He also used to have a fax service, in which he would tell people. He said, "I'll give you a free year of my newsletter if you fax me the college football information from your local newspaper." Oh. That's so just ingenious. He, Phil, Phil was a very smart man back then, and he, and he got ahead of all of it. So when he started putting this all together, it, it, there was nobody out there doing the same thing. Now, people were looking for that information. But like I said before, this is before the Internet was around where you can get on there. And, and you know, back when you've heard the stories about where people would pay somebody at, an, at the airport out here in Vegas to pick up all the sports book, sports pages from all the – all the different uh, flights that were coming in and the guy would pay them off and pay the guy a hundred dollars a week, whatever, for all the sports pages he would get. Um, back when I lived in Cleveland, I would go to the local place that had all the newsletter or the newspapers from around the country. And I go in there on Sunday and I would buy a newspaper for every team or every city that had a, had a basketball team in the NBA. And that's how I got my information back then. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's different now with the internet and all, but, uh, yeah, and, you, and you mentioned if it, if it has still has usage, and uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the opening lines coming out in Vegas, and it was always funny because Tony over at the Gold Nugget, he would seem to do it like a week after. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to ask this. I was just going to ask this. Okay, go, yeah. ahead. go ahead. One year, this was three, four years, maybe three years ago, I was actually back in Cleveland, and I was visiting because I'm friends with a lot of people in his office, whatever. And I said, uh, I said, you got the magazines in? Yeah, they just got them off the truck. And I said, well, let me have a couple of those. And uh, <laughs> I'm out. 
And you'd have sworn I had a Rolex on when I went in for the uh, opening lines down at the Gold Nugget. <laughs> oh, get that? That's not out yet. I'll give you $100 for that. No, no, I'll give you $200 for that. And there was one point where Fezzik and I, one year, I, I actually, one year Fezzik and I went to the Gambler's Bookshop here in Vegas, and I talked to Mary, and I, and I, I said, how many uh, uh, newsletter or books are you getting in? She says, 300. I said, uh, what's the chances of me buying all 300 of those? <laughs> and she started laughing. She says, oh, you know, Steve Fezzik was in here t earlier today offering me the same thing. <laughs> and, and if you know Fezzik, he's, he's a commodity. He's a, smart, he's a smart guy, too. And it was funny. But, uh, you know, to have that kind of information, people – if you're going to go up about a thousand dollars a game, and you can bet whatever, you know, two hundred dollars is nothing to get that information. Sure enough, for sure. Um, okay, so then, uh, do you do you? Is it fair to say that uh, the way that they set the game of the year openers and and sort of the 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 week to week opening of lines in college football is it all still kind of trickle back to sort of a, a traditional power ratings, power rankings, power numbers sort of approach? Yeah, it definitely does. In fact, um, the uh, Tony over there, it gets together with uh, Aaron Kessler, and uh, they get one of the great guys from uh, the Gold Sheet is over there, and he helps them make the numbers. And and uh, so they've got people that have been around for a long time helping them make the numbers, but you're still going to run into everybody has cert a certain bias. And let's go back to Phil Steele. Phil Steele's really high on personnel and the – the rankings of the players coming out of high school. And he is less, if he has any faults at all, at least on my part, it's less on the coaching and the offensive defensive coordinators and more on the talent. Cause you'll see every year he loves USC. He loves Ohio state. He loves Michigan. He loves all the teams that recruit very well. Well, as we've seen for USC over the years, they have great, in fact, they're fifth in talent this year from recruiting uh, this year, but they've had lousy coaches um, for a long time. So I know he's going to be high on USC. Most people will go into those game of the years saying that Phil loves USC. They will bet on USC, and then I'll turn around and I'll bet against USC because I know his tell, which is the talent levels. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know I, I talked about Brad Powers earlier. Uh, he used to work for Phil Steele. He works for a competing company right now. But, he, you know, other than that, he, he's an excellent football mind. Uh, Ralph Michaels is out here in Vegas now. He's a friend of mine from years ago. And he was the office manager for a decade over at Phil Steele. So they're out here. They know how the, Phil used to do things. And they're doing the same thing. They're just doing it on their own. So I'm not a personnel guy. I, I couldn't tell you who the, who the punter is on this team or whatever. But I've got guys that can tell me that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll turn – in fact, I, Maryland's picked up some, some nice uh, recruits in the offseason. And I talked to Brad about it, and I said, you know, did you change any of your power ratings on Maryland? He says, very small. And he said, you know, the guys are pretty good. And I said, it's because they still have Lox – they have Loxley as the head coach. He goes, yes. <laughs> he says, Loxley is yeah. the worst hire in college football this year. And even if he has better talent – He's not. He doesn't have the ability to get the best out of the players. So oh, it's it's nice to be able to bounce this stuff off of. You know, I got guys that 
have databases. I've got guys that um, have history. You know, you can go in and you know check out the history of when this happens and and find out values and all that. So it's nice to surround you. And I and I said this before we got on air. It's nice to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are. You are. And I'm just damn glad everybody I, that I know is smarter than me. <laughs> well, let me ask and you. The, yeah, it kind of it leads. Yeah, it leads to the question about the about the power rankings. Like it, it makes me think about the the lines that are coming out and the fact that you know the the books aren't stupid, but it's still tough to put out lines on on games that are quite a bit uh, quite a bit away. But I mean, they've proven that you know it, it's still the sport. Book. they're still going to win over the public and any money that's coming in that's you know less than sharp over the long term so the you know obviously the guys that are really into this that are doing it with their data and their power rankings their shit's ready they have their power rankings they're completely ready to go on that i mean are they going to look at these lines and set, i don't want to say second guess because i think that's the wrong word but will they make adjustments in their power rankings based off some of these lines based oh, off the information the book is giving them or may, maybe even you know maybe not immediately but let, you know let that line mature for a week or two let the people hit it shape that number and then start looking at how their numbers compare to it and, and make some adjustments based on you know maybe i'm wrong maybe i need to relook at this you know this oregon team and maybe i'm overranking this that and the other thing i mean do, do they take those numbers and into account when they're redoing their power numbers before the season actually starts well that that's the advantage when you're going one-on-one -on -one against a bookmaker early there's probably three guys working down at uh, the gold nugget which shaped those lines and while i'm down there um i'm looking at the other guys that i know that bet for a living and i'll say you know i had this number here what do you have and then I'll say, I already bet it. And, you know, um, and then the other guy will say, yeah, I had that too. So while you're going one-on-one, -on -one, you're also reinforcing the way you make lines with the other guys in line. And, I, you know, I, I, enough people know me where I can go up to somebody that I recognize and I'll say, hey, am I wrong on taking this liner here? Or, or he'll, he might even give me some information and say, yeah, the quarterback doesn't look like he's going to pass – his, uh, his grades, he might not play for that team or whatever. So it's impossible to know it all, but, um, you know, you're, you're trying to get the best of it. And I would much I, – I have no problem going my power ratings against their power ratings right off the bat. Now, when it gets to the point where all these guys have been into it and then I see my line, it's not as good as what I wanted it, then I'm thinking, okay, well, may, maybe I missed out on something there or – you know, it could be that, uh, you know, I played a lot of games that are later in the season. Uh, a lot of the guys come up and they want to get their money back as soon as possible. So while they start at the front of the schedule, I start at the back because if I'm handicapping correctly, the more repetitions of the games that they play, when they play 10 games, I'll be closer to my line than what they have as opposed to how much is a line going to move in between now and the first game. But I, I've had games – I, I swore I, – I can't remember exactly what it was, but I thought it was Florida State playing BYU one year. And I took Florida State as the opener at plus one. BYU had a ton of injuries that year, and everybody got injured. And BYU went off – or Florida State went off, I believe, as a 24-point finish. <laughs> and the sad part was – well, it actually worked out well for me – Oh, my gosh. Florida State kicked a field goal to win the game by one point. 
Oh, I no. was the only person in the world that won that bet, and that was because <laughs> I was never really able to get that in. Unbelievable. Um, Cheetah probably made a bunch of money on that one, I guess. Huh? I don't think Cheetah yeah. was um, out here. <laughs> He's a little younger. Um, well, let me let me ask you let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in line to bet game game? Let's say you had one circled where you're, where you're, you know your mouth is watering. I cannot wait to to bet. Uh, I'll just say uh, you know uh, no, Notre Dame versus USC. Like oh my god, I can't wait to get you know they they hang it Notre Dame minus two and a half, and you're like oh man, I'm this is my favorite of the game of the year lines, and you're up there waiting to bet it. And then there's someone in the industry who you respect greatly who's right in front of you, and they are limit betting the other way. And moving the line more and more in your favor. Have you ever kind of gotten cold feet at that moment, or like, so I'm going to go back to the end of the line and try to figure out what I'm missing about this? You know, luckily that has never happened. <laughs> I, thought okay. you, I thought you were going to say the guy took my number, which happened. Oh, I'm sure. Time. I'm sure that happens a lot. That must be. That must make you. Oh my gosh. That must. That would make me want to go on tilt if I had something I was in love with and it got snatched away from right under my nose. Oh man. But yeah, I guess. Both thing, so that happens more than the other way, I guess. Huh? It, it, everybody seems to be on the same side in these games. Um, one, it was funny. Just a couple of years ago, I talked to a lot of people going down, and we were in love with Northwestern. And we really thought there's going to be a lot of value on Northwestern. Well, obviously, the Golden Nugget felt the same way because they had Northwestern rated even higher than what we did. So they were playing Iowa. So I went in expecting to bet Northwestern. And same with everybody else I was with. We all ended up betting Iowa. And the headline the next day, I don't know if it's covers or somebody, says, wise guys love Iowa. <laughs> and I said, this is the best thing that could have happened to us. Not only did we get a great line, now there was going to continue to bet Iowa, and we could bet against Iowa the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, a little inadvertent manipulation there on the on yeah. the uh, on the team power ranking. Um, yeah, but I'm sure. I mean, you know, going back to Andy's question, I'm sure if I mean if I'm if I'm operating the Golden Nugget and I have a handful of guys who I know every year, they come and they clean me out on these game of the year lines. You know, like I, I'm definitely like ears wide open. Which teams do they think I have misrated? And I'm adjusting those power numbers big time before we get to the kickoff. Um, yeah. But. You know, if I, if I had to say, if I had to ask you of your opinion kind of qualitatively, if we're trying to take a qualitative assessment of how you make a power number and, and try to put some quantif quantification on it, um, you know, if you have kind of three ingredients that go into a power number, uh, ingredient number one is returning starters. Ingredient number two is new talent. And then ingredient number three is kind of program legacy coaching coaching strength like how do you weight those three inputs to come up with the power number as you kind of go through last year's college football adjusting it to be this year's college football well i'd also throw in turnover luck which is huge in uh in college football uh if you see a like a team that grinds the football like a wisconsin if you were to go down their turnover ratio every year they're always plus double digits and there was a few years ago where they actually were a negative um, based on the way they play, you have to assume, unless they're going to change everything, all of a sudden start a running gun offense, uh, they're not going to turn the ball over. Same with a lot of the, you know, most of the, uh, the teams, you know, the, the Air Forces, the, the Navies, and those kind of things. The way they play, they don't turn the ball over very well. So you could definitely get a big advantage from that. But basically what I do is I take my power ratings from the end of the season, 
and I make slight adjustments to that. I, I don't use any of the bowl games, uh, which is maybe a rarity because a lot of guys use the bowl games, and I just feel not every team has the same emotion and same incentive to win a bowl game. Uh, oh, without a doubt. So many times. Yes. So whatever my – uh, power rating is at the end of the 12 game season. I don't even use the championship games either. I just want to keep everything at the 12 games. Um, that is my starting point for the following season. And then I go through who did they lose? How many seniors did they lose? What, what did the value of the seniors do? What was the, what was the, um, the value of the recruiting, uh, from that point? And then I make a judgment and I say, okay, what about the coaching? Uh, is the same coach here, the same coach and the quarterback, which makes a major difference. Uh, problem is a lot of times people change offensive and defensive coordinators. And I don't think anybody, unless you're doing this for a living, really pays much attention to that. So you've got to go back. And, you know, I've, I've talked to uh, Ralph Michaels about this. And there's a website out there. They call it, you know, College Coaching Tree or whatever. So I think that's what it's called. But basically you can go back there and say, okay, well, who, where did this guy coach? And then you can look and say, well, how did their spread records do? How did their points per game work out if he's an offensive coordinator at that place? And you can basically make grades on how good the offensive and the defensive coordinators are based on what they've done in the past. Mm, like, nice. Yeah. And then, like I said, you know, you take a look at uh, injuries because certain guys were out last year and things like that. And one of the things I really like, and it's going to be I, – I, I do a lot of my stuff for Wager Talk, and we do weekly videos and everything – and one of the guys, Ralph Michaels, that I talked about, used to work at uh, work at Phil Steele. He's putting out a project this year, and he's going to put in a lot of the stuff that he used to do with Phil. And I think it's going to be free. I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's free because we do a lot of stuff for free. But he goes through, and he takes out all the teams last year, how many seniors are no longer on the team, uh, how many freshmen played minutes, for example. The team with the most senior percentage of starts last year was UAB. Now, obviously, they didn't have a you know a football team a few years ago, so that makes a lot of sense. But other than that, it was Middle Tennessee. And 61.8% of their players were seniors. And Middle Tennessee is really you know they had good coaching. They've had they've had the quarterbacks been there forever, uh, the coach's son. But that's a team that uh, only had 61. They had 61.8% of their starter starters were seniors. So they're going to be very young. And then there's other teams like Minnesota last year. They played 32.9% freshmen. So oh, Minnesota's geez. a team you want to look to back because those guys are going to have more, yep. more uh, reps going into the season. So a lot of people don't pay any attention to that, but you've got to know that kind of thing. So first off, I'm, I'm taking a look. I, I'm looking to bet Minnesota. I'm looking to bet against this, you know, the, the uh, UAB Middle Tennessee type of thing. So – Oh, I love it. You also get teams like Navy had 60.5%, but seniors graduate. But that's what Navy does. That's what the that's what those teams do. So you kind of got to throw yeah. that out. But um, you've got you've got to make your adjustments based on that. And then I'm then I have my number to start this season. And I've talked to a few other people to make numbers. And you know, and, and Cheetah's one of them that uh, <clears throat> Cheetah used to work with us at, at Wager Talk. And I highly respect him. And uh, he's a smart young guy. And you know if. If he thinks totally different about somebody that I than I do, I'll go back and read a little bit more on it. But yeah, it's uh, it's something that getting the stuff done early, and they always say early bird gets the worm. And like I said, if if I've said this in the past, if I could bet nothing but openers, season win numbers, 
uh, futures, that kind of stuff, and not bet day to day, and do something else for a living, I would love. <laughs> I make. I probably make the same amount of money. Without having to worry about the grind, the grind of uh, the day to day bit, baseball, football, and everything, because by the time the line gets to that point where it's chiseled out, the advantage just isn't there. Like a game, an hour before the game, you know. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I I like what you said too about the. It's something we preach a lot. It's just context, context, context. Like, I like how you don't take the bowl games into account. You see yep, some same. pretty pissed. You see some pretty piss poor performances in bowl games where you can tell teams just aren't just aren't you know they aren't there to play. And then you know it also shades what the other team does. Like the other team wasn't that good. They're playing against a team that didn't care. You know, like the Navy, Navy kids stay in school. They're going to finish their academy. That's, I mean, they always yeah. have a shitload of seniors like that. You know, just you, just uh, being in, and that's what makes me, it's almost like uh, discouraging to me as far as like, because at the beginning of this, I'm like, oh shit, now I'm going to, this is getting me jacked up. I'm going to bet college football. But then <laughs> you hear like how much, how much work, like just Jesus, the Phil Steele stuff where he's yeah. calling all these con- or sending handwritten letters to colleges and having love, people fax I stuff. Love like, it. The exhaustive, the exhaustive research you need to put in to be top notch at college football. I mean, it's it's right up there. I mean, it's you know we did touch on that as far as the some of the smaller markets are some definite edges to be at. And so that exhaustive research is definitely going to bear fruit, but there's so many teams. And like you said, how many offensive and defensive coordinators are, are going to vary from one year to the other. And it might take, it might take half the season for people who don't catch onto that to catch up to it. So yeah. yeah I mean, kudos hey, to anybody get, who's really, out. yeah. If you're putting in the work before the season, kudos. Check this out for a, for a philosophy. What if, uh, what if the, one of the strategies of the golden nugget hanging the game of the year lines and inducing this feeding frenzy getting like the sharp, the people who have put in that work, getting them all to the window to make their opinions known. Like that's part of their process for preparing for the betting season for sure, because they're not, you know, I bet you the golden nuggets, you know, openers for college football in week zero, one, and two are probably sharper in general than the market at large because they've gone through this experience and they know, hey, this guy's coming to the window. They He takes us every year on, you know, SEC game of the year lines. We have got to incorporate his opinions into, you know, what our power numbers are for the SEC teams. And you can probably kind of go down the line like that and and uh, and guess that uh, this is a value proposition for the the Nugget in terms of their preparation for yeah, the season. Yeah, just paying paying for information. What they're are what are limits on right. game of the year, Brian? Yeah, they let you bet three games at thousand uh, dollars. Then you have to go to the back of the back of the room and start all over again. The only problem was <laughs> this year for me that Circa was opening up the following day with no juice on any of their games. So it had to be something I was really interested in. To be able to put up, you know, I got games, I think, the last couple of weeks of the season is what I was looking at. So um, to hold something that long, when the next day I can go and scalp all anything I wanted over at the Circa. So um, it was a little bit different this year. But, um, like, going back to the Phil Steele thing, nowadays he doesn't have to worry about that. Obviously, the faxes are no longer around. and uh, But he has become friendly with all the head coaches. At all the <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, he'll sure. even talk about that he'll give a call to one of the head coaches and talk to him for an hour. And Phil will say, you know, I've got this guy, and this guy is a, a five-star recruit. 
Uh, are you excited about him being in the lineup? And then the coach will even tell him. It says, off the record, this guy stinks. He's not even going to make the team, or this guy will never get any playing time. Whereas Phil, for his own knowledge, um, he's not going to come out and say that. But to be able to talk to the coaches, and I've I've gone to the Mountain West Conference before when they've had the coaches talk, and I've, I've gone in with a press release, and just to be able to talk to them and throw some of this stuff at them, and they give you as honest answers as they can, um, as long as it's not going to hurt a kid's feelings or whatever. But sure enough, like Phil's is all off the record, and I'll say, yeah, that guy's that guy's all hype. He's not even going to make the team or whatever. And <laughs> it's that kind of information that he's able to get now that is just amazing. And uh, like when I when I started, I went to Akron University. So back then all the Mac games were circle. There was, you were only able to bet $500 on the Mac. So Billy Walters, none of the big guys were even interested in betting on the Mac. And I would handicap the Mac. And that was, that was my major, major sport because I lived in that area and I went to school at the school and I would kill the Mac. And nowadays, while the Mac is on the regular board, I don't have nearly the successes I've had in the past. In fact, this past year, I lost betting my Mac plays. And because everybody who can bet whatever they want can now bet the Mac. And it's just years ago, it was like I, I, I had a guy uh, that I know ask me who I thought was going to win this game. And I told him the team, and he said, you know, they're a 24-point underdog. And I said, they're going to win that game straight up. Sure enough, they won the game straight up. So it was it was sort of like betting, you know, the XFL and all these fringe football leagues. Everybody I know who's ever played any of those have always won. Sort of like betting, the, you know, the CFL now. There's guys out there in the CFL that can just tear that thing up. The Arena Football League. If you're willing to put in the effort, you're going to be able to make money on The problem is, you know, you can bet 500 and then by the next week you're down to 300 and two weeks later you got $50 you can bet. So yeah, right. I'll run into that. I know you guys do bet some tennis and some other stuff, so – you got to take advantage of it when you can, especially if one of the guys that have a small bankroll, it doesn't matter if you can bet more than $500 because chances are you don't bet that much anyway. So if you're starting out, please do not spend <laughs> your time worrying about the professional sports, but just bet, go bet cricket, go bet darts. It's amazing sure, find, find a niche. That's <laughs> oh. right. We we talked to some Euro guys, man. They darts is so big over there. That's it's just wild. Huge. That yeah. And it's like anything, you know. There's probably people out there that, I mean, they sit and say, like, man, how can you bet on the Mac? How do you know any of those players? Like, I, that, you know, that's how I feel about darts. But I mean, somebody somebody knows something. There's markets out there that are getting shaped by people betting darts. I, I yeah. always think it's funny that you know. Uh, can you give us an example? Can you give us an example of how it works at the counter on uh, the game of the year day when someone has a very strong opinion that, say, you know, uh, LSU Alabama is off by seven points? Like, how does it go down when you get up to the well, counter? I, I happen to be first in line this year because I'm tired of getting beat out by other guys. <laughs> I know. We're all, the thing is, we all gather. Like, a couple of years ago, I think it was at the South Point opened them up first. And there's probably 15 guys there, and I know most of them. We're all standing around, and we're talking. All of a sudden, one guy makes a dart for the uh, counter and, like an hour beforehand, and then everybody has to line up after that. So this year, I got there an hour early, and I asked Tony, I said, when are you going to open up? He says, 
12 noon. And I says, okay, well, then I see some of the guys walk in. I said, not this year, buddy. So I ran up to the front of the line and just stood there. And then everybody ran up afterwards. So I got to the first. But what I was looking at, I had certain games scheduled, circled. And like I said earlier, I, I like to bet games near the end of the schedule. So it plays out more in my advantage as the season goes on. If I'm right, I want to be farther off of what the line is at that point. I could try for the middle or whatever I want to do. And one of the games they put out was uh, Washington and um, in Utah. And my ranking right now, I've got Washington and Utah exactly even. And like Athlon has got them, like both teams pretty much fighting for, for the conference at almost exact same ratings. I think one of them is ranked 17th, one of them 19th. Um, and if you remember, Utah last year played Washington twice, um, lost both games in very low-scoring games. So they're looking at double revenge, including conference championship revenge. And the line was eight. Washington at home is eight. And I made the line probably three and a half uh, with the home field for Washington. So I'm getting over the key number of seven, six and seven, by catching the eight. Um, as I left that day, the line was down to five because Joey Toons was down there and Joey wanted the same line and, and I took it from him and there was a couple other guys that did the same thing. And, um, <laughs> so I was able to get an eight on a game where I really think is going to probably be three by the time the game goes off. Um, and I also thought that they had priced Texas too high. And Texas, and I'm a, I'm a lone soldier on this one because nobody else seemed to bet this one. It only moved a point. But uh, Texas is at Baylor on November 23rd. The line was Texas 7. And my all my information I have on that should be Texas probably at the most 4, probably 3. Texas is a team I want to bet against. When you take a look at uh, seniors that played last year, Texas had 56.5% of their starters were seniors. And when you take a look at their freshmen, they played hardly any freshmen last year. Uh, they were they were a team that uh, played all upperclassmen, and they all their best players for the most part graduated. Uh, Baylor, I like the coach. He's a hard nosed coach. He came over from Temple last year was his first year. Turned the program around. Uh, Baylor's offense, I I think, is going to be much better this year than it has been in the past. Um, and I like the coaching staff for Baylor. And my feeling was Texas was going to be overrated. Baylor was going to be underrated. And, in fact, if you pick up the Athlon, um, they're two, they're two, they had like three overrated and three underrated, and that was Baylor and uh, Texas. So I'm trying to get a hold ahead of the market on that and take the uh, seven points with, ba with Baylor against Texas, knowing that as soon as everybody else starts looking at these things, they're going to go in and bet the same thing, and I'm going to have a much better number. Sure enough. Uh, hook them. Uh, the, can I ask you though, the, uh, when it comes to teams like Texas, where you bring up a great point that they really just did not start very many freshmen last year, uh, do you see in general in college football over the course of the season, like that those teams struggle more early and have a, kind of a steeper improvement from, from game one to game 12? Yeah, I would think so. In fact, you get your teams this year, uh, just looking at, uh, freshmen, uh, there's certain teams, like, I don't think Michigan had to start out of a freshman all season last year. Um, oh, my gosh. In fact, oh there's, my God. there's, oh one, two, three, there's four teams that didn't play freshman. 
Two of them were the service schools. One was Florida Atlantic. One was Michigan. Uh, Ohio State had 0.3%. So they had one guy that probably made a start. Um, but the, those teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, th which are three of the lower ones, they rebuild and they play the senior. So I'm not worried about that. But like I said, Florida Atlantic had zero. Now, Florida Atlantic is one of those teams you would think would have some talented young players. They didn't even get a single start out of their freshmen. So that's something that concerns me. Um, and uh, that, that's something where I'll probably be looking to bet against them this season because they're going to have freshmen and sophomores this season who had no starting experience last year. So if they have, if, if you know if you take a look at injuries as the season goes on, if that team has any injuries at all, they have no depth whatsoever, and that's a team that as the end of the season comes around, they could be really hurting when it comes to a depth a, a depth situation. Ooh, okay, fascinating. Um, what uh, what were some of the other fun fun? Uh, I guess, and that's great that you scooped uh, scooped some of those good numbers by being first in line. Uh, that that. Uh, there, yeah, there's nothing more fun than you hear somebody who just absolutely crushed one of these. Where oh yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what what did Notre Dame US? It's funny you brought that one up because I feel like that was one of them. But what did Notre Dame USC go off at? Like um, the the late it was probably the last game, second to last game of the season. Because I I think that was pretty much like a pick 'em in the summer. And then, you know, Notre Dame was a nice big favorite. I mean, that shit happens every year. It's got to be just the best feeling, like, taking Notre Dame at I, – I found it there, minus one. And then you get to the – you know, you get to the actual game, and they're – it looks like probably 13-point favorite. Yeah, 13, 14-point <laughs> favorite. You know, granted, it just, it's how the seasons win. It's, a, it's hard to predict everything like that. But, Christ, that's got to feel good to just have a two-touchdown – you know, there's been times where I have come up six points to the worst of it. As oh, the wow. On, and I said, you know, that's the risk I had. I, I, I would play a team, and then they had a lot of injuries or whatever, or weren't as approved. But then, like I said, there's other games. You know, in one season, I think I had 23 bets on down there, and I beat the closing line on 21 of them. And I'm talking wow. 10 of them by double digits. I mean, it was just – Oh, my God. It, I think I hit 78% of my bets that year down there. So, uh, sure, I'm tying my money up at $1,000 a pop, but where else are you going to pick 78% winners? And no, by, no by the math, I no think way. I should have picked I think I should have ended up with 83, and I had bad luck at 78. So, um, it's just something oh that God. happens. But yeah, you're, you're, you're taking the same chance as anybody else is. And, you know, people always worry. They say, well, aren't you worried about injuries? I said, no, because the other team could get injured too. I mean, it's it's the sure. same 50 chances. So um, the one thing I have learned over the years is it used to be, like, I, I'm, I'm not a big guy on playing the dominant teams, the Alabamas, uh, Oregon, when they scored so many points years a few years ago, Ohio State's. I'm usually looking to go against those teams. And I would start off, and I'd take a team against Alabama plus 33. My line says 24. And sure enough, by the time the game goes off, I could have got 40. Yeah, so right, right, right. I, I said, Market you know entry. Yeah. yeah, I am not fading the top-of-the-line teams any longer because Joe Public is going to get out there and see Alabama's killing people, and then they're going to continue to bet that line up. And, you know, Johnny Avello down at the uh, down at the win, when he'd have his, you know, games of the week every week, he'd put those up early. 
you know, he, he would just jack up the price on the, each high-scoring team or or the teams that uh, the public is going to bet. And he kept telling me, he goes, you know what, goddamn Oregon team? He says, I jack them up three <laughs> points every week, and they go out and score 60 points, and I lose. And I said, what well, you you, you beat the lines even higher as the game goes off than what he puts it at. You put it at 38, the game closes at 43, even though he jacked it up. You know, and he just gets so frustrated by it. And I said, well, you know, you got the best of it by five points or whatever by the time the game's off. You've got to play those. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, that actually lead, lead, lends itself right into a topic about college football that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, it was about this time-ish last year, not long after the end of Prohibition on sports betting, uh, where there was some kind of you know gambling conference or something like that, and Scott Van Pelt was invited as the keynote speaker, and he gave a. I was I was like, oh, this must be interesting. I'm, I'm curious what he has to say, and I was I streaming it online, I think, or I got the transcript after. I can't exactly remember, but he made some statement to the point of, yeah, oh yeah, no, my strategy is effectively I figure out what side the house needs, and I line up with that side because I, you know, they don't build, you know, they don't build towers in the desert for nothing, and you know, if you're on the side of the house more often than you're not, then you know you're going to win with them. And, you know, his comments were effectively like you can, you know, his strategy was fading the public and it raised eyebrows. It got uh, derided. Uh, It got uh, called out for, you know, effectively, this is not, you know, this is not a way you can expect to win long term by by just kind of carrying out this strategy. And, you know, in the moment, I was like, man, that's that's all there is to this. That's what he's doing. Like, oh, man. But. The more I've thought about it, I've kind of softened a lot on my position about this because I can see like what he's doing is he's betting into some of these you know more obscure college football markets. He's taking you know the points on the side that's less well loved by the public betters in general, and so yeah, I mean he's probably getting a couple of free points. He's probably getting across key numbers when it's important, uh, just because he's taking the side where it's the deflated number. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, okay, maybe you can make, make a career out of this, you know, just shooting a couple of fish every week in college football markets, just because of the way the market is so diverse with all of these games. And, you know, there are going to be some teams that are just not well supported by the public at large. And if there's no, you know, sharp money involved in that game at all, then, yeah, maybe the public volume can actually move the number to where you do have a couple free points. And over the course of a season sample, maybe you you will pick up enough uh, winners to have a, a winning record beating the VIG. Uh, you know, does all this jive with your experience in the college football betting market that you could have, you know, kind of a, a strategy like this and it could work in this instance, even though maybe in general fading the public is not something you want to hang your hat on? Yeah, without knowing who who is moving the lines uh it's kind of hard to do i will tell you a few things first off when i came to vegas about 20 years ago i was talking to kenny white who he and his dad make player ratings for every single player in college football the guy the guys run lvsc i mean he's just a great source when it comes to valuing each and every player and i asked him i said what's the one thing you would tell a beginning better uh, the mistake that they make. And he said, don't fade the top 10 teams. He said, because you would think that the public's going to be all over these top 10 teams, but they are fighting to get a better 
ranking than the team below them. So they will push for that extra touchdown. They will push the spread. And he said, so, and I went, I've gone and, and I've charted it. And go back and look. Everybody knows Alabama is so great in, in uh, college football. Go back and look at their spread records the last decade. Ohio State, same thing. All these teams that are like dynasties uh, that have been a top team all these years, Oklahoma's, they always end up with a winning spread record, even though you're getting the worst of it if you're betting into those numbers because they're one of those teams that has a reason to run up a score. Um, and as for playing um, against the line move, basically, it all depends on, number one, what the line move was and what the teams were. I talked about the Mac earlier. If I see a line move in the Sun Belt, Conference USA, Mountain West, uh, the Mac, the people that are moving those lines are not the public. People moving those lines are guys that know what they're doing. And so I rarely fade those numbers. It used to be that I did something similar, but I've learned against it, where I would set and I'd say, okay, I want to take uh, – Wisconsin, but I want seven. If I get seven, I'm going to bet it. So all of a sudden, we're getting an hour before game time when most of the really big money comes in, and Wisconsin goes to a six-and-a-half-point dog, and I go, come on, mm. seven, come on, seven. It'll get to seven. <laughs> I bet to seven. Then I see it goes to seven-and-a-half, and Wisconsin <laughs> killed. So I, you've, I, the more I do this, the more I know – you want to be on the same side as the market. The market is much smarter than you are. It's much smarter than I am. And so what you think may be value, it may not be the value because the guys that have been waiting to bet $100,000 on these games are doing it an hour before the game goes off, and they're guys that are just waiting for it to, the numbers to get that high. And just by doing that and avoiding those games, it's made me a whole lot better handicapper. So closing line value still but is is yeah. the end all be all. Yes. Fascinating. And, uh, Andy, you, and kind of kind of pull it, yeah, pulling together some of the I mean, just some of everything we've touched on how hard it is to put in an, enough work, you know, for a casual better to put proper handicapping or power numbers together for 130 teams or whatever, and you know, how how much time you have to do to or how much time you have to invest to, you know, find the proper information. Would you say that maybe that's not the worst idea? And again, going to the not fading the top 10 teams, maybe not the worst idea for somebody who's looking to get into this a little more analytically or to spend a little more time is maybe pick one of those conferences and specialize a little like that. Like, you, you know, you talked about your Mac plays back in the day and, you know, it, where it might be harder now, I think you could still find an advantage if if you actually dug down into, you know, let's say the Sun Belt and you just spent all your time finding the information you know, connecting with some Twitter accounts online with maybe some local people that are local, local reporters, local news sources, and finding the information. I mean, would, would that be a better way to go? If, if I definitely, it, especially, you know, if you're looking at college basketball with 230 teams or whatever it is, 320, who knows? But there's so many teams out there, you just can't, can't track them all. But, uh, yeah, it's it, what you want to do is – Follow what you are good at. If you live in Louisiana, you've got information to those college basketball teams and that nobody else does uh, because they play there. They have tendencies that 
that you could find that, and if you have the ability to bet them, don't wait until the day the game goes off in like college football. If you're betting the Sun Belt, don't wait till the game goes off before you're going to get the, down on these. Bet them as soon as you can because you know as soon as they open up the, uh, the limits, the guys that do this for a living are going to come in and take your number away. And so just be prepared. You know, I know a lot of people like to watch the NFL. I haven't seen an NFL game until Sunday night football in probably 10 years because I'm working on my college football stuff. Um, so I go, I just, well, I suppose it, it all comes out on Sunday. Like yeah, all the, all the numbers, uh, so the new lines open up Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, then after I get everything done, then I'll go out, you know, have a beer with my friends for Sunday night football or maybe a Monday night football, unless I plan on betting it live, which is another thing. So one of the reasons why, it's hard to find a lot of people in our industry that you see out in public. Yeah, and I think you, you hit on another good point about some of those uh, some of those smaller conferences when the lines take a hard move when when limits go up. Maybe that's not you know I, I'm not going to just advocate full on steam chasing, but if you are going to specialize in a conference, you know take notice of that sort of stuff and know and if you, if you're seeing the same team get moved two, three weeks in a row, or the same team get moved against a couple weeks in a row. Know that like the sharps or the, the people who are in the know on this, this market are strongly in disagreement with the bookmakers on maybe the, you know, their power numbers. And I mean, just let's say Mac, like yeah, Akron, Kent state, whatever, if those two are, if they're continually fading, you know, Akron, geez, I shouldn't pick that school. That's your squad. Go Zips. But you know what I mean? If if you can see hard steam moves against or for one team a few weeks in a row in a smaller school conference like that, you know, that might be something to just take into account if that's where you're going to concentrate. Definitely. What you want to do is track any of the line movements. And if you see a team is moving every week and you're looking to play that team, you want to get on it as soon as you can, especially if it's a team that I've noticed um, it works even better if you're playing on a team that has not covered the spread, but yet the line continues to go that way. Uh, guys continue to bet into their numbers, and they continue to see it. And you might have a team where the first two games of the season, the first three games of the season, they don't cover. But when you make a note, hey, everybody that really like, seems to like BYU, and at the end of the year you look and then BYU is 9-3 against the spread, even though they struggled early in the season. So – it's something you want to keep an eye on, and if you're looking to bet on those teams, you know to take them early, and if at the end of the se- end of the week, if the line's going against you and you don't feel strongly about it, you can always play back the other way. But, uh, but as I said, it's it's not many times that I'm fading, fading the markets anymore. It's uh, You've got to believe in, in the people that are putting a whole lot more money out there than anybody I know is. So, I mean, the back to the game of year, game of the year, are you ever looking that far ahead where you're going to say, I know I can just get a, a sweet-ass middle on this? Is that something you're ever going to ride? Or maybe you don't you don't know right away. It might be something, obviously, you get into the season, you have a lot more information. Is there ever cases where you say, like, this this number's so far off, I'm just going to sit and hit the arbitrator, or arbitrage, hit the middle? Or, or are you the kind of guy who doesn't think that's yeah. – uh, that's a plus EV play when you get down the line and you've got such a good number, you should just sit on your solid number. If you, if you go into it looking to middle, then I think that's what you should do. But I go in looking to get a good number. And if I've got a line of, for example, it lines five, right now, let's say the game is being played tomorrow and I've got 
Utah plus eight when the market's plus five. I'm not going to play a market number the other way around. I'll just stick that I got the the uh, the line beat by three points and let the math do the work. Um, but you know, if if you're one of those guys that came in and you you put a thousand dollars down, let's say you're normally a two hundred dollar better, and you put that thousand dollars down if, with the hopes of the line moving and getting that medal. Well, then obviously you bet five times more than what you normally would. You would want to put a little bit back on the other way um, based on the amount you bet. But, you know, not that I bet a ton. I go into it looking to uh, get as many plus EV bets as I can. So it, it's not going to hurt. Like the game with the Florida State with the 24 and it was one, um, I didn't I didn't hedge back. I, I could have had something back and, and uh, guaranteed it, which – which uh, might have worked out fine, but I I, I didn't uh, I didn't want to do that. So, um, and, and I was happy with one win instead of two. Well, it's nice. It's nice. Like I guess you're going in with a game plan is kind of what I took away from that. Like you, it's like you said, if if you are looking to arbitrage your middle, you need to bet a lot more. Otherwise, you're just you're you're stacking pennies at that point. If you're if you're just shooting for a middle, you're you know you do need to bet more so you can try to find that that sweet middle and, and make your money over the long run. But I guess I like what you're saying. I, I think people are probably going to be sitting in one of two different camps on that. And I guess I'm, I'm more in your camp of it, it's awful hard for me to sit in middle after you've, you've just crushed a line, even in the NFL, just, you know, not game of the year stuff, but let's say you hit a total on the opener and it moves three, four points, you know, a big total move. But I, I I know you could you could buy back the other way and you know take a lot of your risk out of it. But Christ, it just feels so good to be sitting in such a good position. And you know we believe so strongly in the the market being efficient and, and closing line value being such an indicator of being on the right side. It I find it hard to you know it just feels like the second bet you're placing is more of a hedge than uh, trying to win a second bet at that point. Yeah, it's it's sort of like uh, when I take a look at the NFL and with the NFL, I'm looking to play numbers. You know, I, I if I see a public team like New England or Pittsburgh uh, play Sunday night football, Monday night football, and they look great, where do you think that line's going to go? It's going to go in their direction for the next game. So as soon as the line comes out, I'll blindly bet Pittsburgh or New England or whatever, knowing that that's fresh in everybody's mind and I can lay – Let's say I can lay a, a six on the Patriots, knowing that it's going to be eight by the time the game goes off. And at that point, I can either come back. If I don't like the Patriots, I could play for the nice medal there on key numbers, or I could let my play just go off the way it is. And really, that's what I do a lot in the NFL because the numbers are so tight in the NFL. And if you do your work, you know where the lines are going to go almost every time in the NFL. Uh, based on the public teams, based on how they did the game before, uh, if they're a revenge game coming up and they got killed by that team last time, it's it's just your typical ways of handicapping the games that we've all done for, for years, and you know where the game's going. So it's very important to make your own power rating so you know when it's crossed over that threshold. Let's say I made the line seven on New England, and now that it's gone to eight, I know that if I'd like to win, I can't play it now because of the seven. They should have got it at the six, or I did get it at the six. And at this point, I'd be looking to bet back the other way if I, 
if I uh, was interested in that. So NFL is the easiest way to, uh, to make power ratings, and I did a video on that just a few weeks ago on what somebody would do if you're a beginner and you happen to know the NFL, like you watch a lot of the games and you want to know how to make power ratings. And, and it talks about uh, what you would lay on that team and what you would take. Because a lot of people will say, as you know, oh, I love the Patriots. They're going to kill them. I'll say, would, would you lay 20 points? Well, no, I wouldn't lay 20 points. Well, what's the most <laughs> you lay? And I said, well, I'll lay seven. I'll say, well, what would you take on the team they're playing? Well, I don't want the team they're playing. But if, but if I was to offer you 20 points, would you take the other team? Yeah, I guess I would. And then you talk yourself down. And finally, you find out you take seven, you lay seven, you take 10. Well, that's your range right there where your power rating should be. Yeah. And no, no other sport do I think it's more, it's more apparent than what, like what you just kind of laid out. You know, the Patriots look great on a standalone game. Maybe it's the, you know, the, the national television game at the, I guess, one o'clock West West Coast time there, but you know, they look really good. They beat the shit out of a team. You know, we do a podcast on Sunday nights when we get in the NFL season where we actually just try to do it right when the, the bet online openers come out and you can just see those moves. Like it's funny, you do it enough. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you being in the industry so long, you, you're seeing a ton of this, but once we started doing that more and more, as we went week to week, we just started being able to predict those like, well, shit, this, <laughs> this, this numbers, you know, this number's going to get hit. Like people yeah. just saw this team get crushed. They're going to bet against the Raiders right now. Cause they yeah. got absolutely destroyed. It doesn't matter what that number is. So. Yeah. This is all, I've got so many thoughts now. This is kind of, you know, so many interesting things have kind of come to f- forefront thinking about this because this is again this is something that we don't spend a lot of time breaking down thinking about handicapping i kind of stay no, away we'll from college football because oh after this fall but yeah i mean i, I kind of yeah i mean i, I kind of threw uh you know gave gave up on uh, trying to handicap college football because i wasn't any good at it really uh for many years but now i'm thinking about all these kind of angles and you know i i was not approaching it with the correct framework at all so i was obviously i was the you know the the um the fish and you know the sharps, sharps were, you know, <laughs> kicking my ass. So it's all, this is making sense now. But I got this theory, and I want your guys' take on this theory. Uh, it goes back to the point that Brian made about the favor, you know, the the top ten teams uh, and the legacy programs doing well against the spread historically in college football. Any possibility that these coaches figured out? that uh, their boosters are obviously betting on their team and it's important for them to know the spread and to be you know, acutely aware of the point spread that they need to make in order to keep the boosters happy. Because I got to imagine that the, uh, you know, the bonus, the bonus envelopes to the players, the, the, the donations back to the, the program, they were probably highly correlated to how often those programs covered the spread. Is, am I am I dreaming here? Like it's 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 important for a guy like Nick Saban to know what his spread is and to make sure that the you know the Alabama boosters aren't uh, you know aren't getting aren't taking a bath because uh, they don't cover by the hook against you know Louisiana Lafayette or whatever you know the Citadel or something like that. Like, am I dreaming or do you think they they are acutely aware of this, Brian? They, they, def- they definitely know. If you've ever followed Bobby Bowden, um, I've seen shows where they would tape him at practices. And he will come out, and he will say, 
Um, <laughs> what the spread? He goes, can you believe they made us an underdog in this game? They made us an underdog to the damn Hurricanes. Can you believe they've done that? And he will come out, and that's what, what he uses to fire up his teams. And, and other times he'll, he'll say, you know, we're laying 28 in this game. Uh, he, he, said he lets all the players know. And, the, and even if the players don't know, the coaches a lot of times will let them know. This is the line on the game, and they know that they've got so much money in coming on and in the boosters. And hey, you know, you know your summer job over there at the uh, the Cadillac dealership that you don't even show up for. <laughs> that guy, that guy's a big better, and he knows the line's twenty eight. You know, you may want to, you may want to try to push that uh, push that line a little bit harder for the offensive line to get that. <laughs> down the I mean, it's common, and for college football especially, to say that these things don't happen. It's crazy, and sure, you know, it, it's yeah. You know, I'm friends with guys who have been yeah. that have, that have been uh, reporters for uh, some teams, college and pro. They know all about it. it, it it's yeah. great. I, yeah. I've uh, I've had a lot of people that that the coach will say they have no idea. That's a bunch of bull. They know exactly what. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Saban's gift to the boosters was the uh, first half, just the first half spread all season long. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so last final real quick story, and then let's wrap this up. This was entertaining and informative, and thank you for all your time so far. Uh, but uh, what, what was it like betting into a market with Billy Walters where you know, you know, you know that he's – manipulating the bejesus out of the number and here you are someone relatively new to college football betting maybe or even with some limited experience like you know like was 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 there a noteworthy impact in in the college football marketplace when he was uh you know one of the the major players yes uh, <laughs> i see i i bet what i feel i'm comfortable in which is usually Usually I, I, I get I have to ask for approval, but I don't get turned down for the most part unless I'm winning, then they kick me out. But with Billy Walters, I've had enough guys that I've talked to that have been his runners. He was so good at moving the lines anywhere he wanted. He would tell certain guys to bet one side, other guys to bet other the other side. He was just a manipulator when it came to lines. And nobody even knew what the plays were. <laughs> circle and yeah if he thought you were tipping people off to to that game he would give you the opposite side all the time oh of course he he didn't care about ten thousand dollars here ten thousand dollars there if you're going in you're betting let's say you're betting at the mirage and you go in and put up a ten thousand then people know who you are because if you sit in a sports book out here long enough you'll know who the runners are for certain syndicates you'll come up and you'll talk to the guy you'll go up right behind him and say what did that guy bet <laughs> yeah, of course. And you'll say what it is, and then you'll go in and you'll that's a Billy Walters play, and you'll go in and you'll follow him. <laughs> Billy will know that line moves much more than it should be for a ten thousand dollar bet. The next time he's going to give that guy the opposite play. So I, I had the, the it, it's I had the ability to meet Billy Walters one time, only for a short period, but the guy was just amazing, and he wanted to talk more about his car dealerships. Then he wanted to talk about sports betting. And, and I've been out doing this for a long time. And it really humbled me because he'd never heard of me. And it's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. Because uh, I've been doing it for 35 years, been out in Vegas for 20 years. And I said, you know what? Even every time I think that some people might know me or they catch me on the street, 
Billy Walters never heard of me. So it really humbled me. <laughs> that's a great story. All right. Well, that's a perfect end note uh, there. <clears throat> Best of luck as you uh, continue your preparations for this college football season. Fascinating stories. And, uh, you, know, could, you know, the experience you bring to this is, is well received. So we very much appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a, what's, what's your, uh, uh, you know, is uh, Clemson repeat this year? I wouldn't bet against it just because they've got such an easier schedule than Alabama. But uh, those by far are the two best teams once again. Davo Sweeney, he's got uh, he's got Saban's number at this point. It's going to start being a narrative if uh, if he gets him one more time. I think. Um, okay, well, good stuff. Well, it's uh, take, already a narrative. So. It's already. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be like truth if there's one more. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, take cool. take it. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Uh, get get the prep in you need, and uh, best of luck come football season. And I'm sure we'll. Uh, we'll keep up, keep in touch, and uh, bring you back around if there's anything else fun going on in, in college sports or just in the uh, in the world of Vegas in general. It's always good to have friends in the desert. There you go. It's uh, good to finally be able to talk to you guys. You do a hell of a show, and keep up the good work. All right, take care.